0: So, have you done it this morning? For those of you that were here last week, you will be uh, reminded. I'm reminding you right now. Hope you practice this morning. Have you uh, looked at anybody this morning and reminded them of this? You're blessed. Come on, tell them. Tell your neighbor right now you're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. Well, I don't know what they're going through. Doesn't matter. They're still blessed. Amen. So we need to continue to remind each other of that because the enemy tries to cancel our blessings. We've been talking about cancel culture. Cancel culture is a modern form of ostracism. That's a big word. Just means that we try to cancel. Cancel culture is not new, by the way. It's just now getting a lot of attention because of all the social media platforms, and uh, everybody's focused on it. Uh, basically, what happens? We uh, it started out like this: popular communication pa- platforms were used to uh, target. Real and very dangerous issues like racism or sexual abuse, and so that they they started using the platforms to to highlight that and call that out, which should happen because we want to change that kind of stuff. The dilemma has been is that uh, the movement has gone off the rails at times. So I, I I gave you this quote last week. I think it's perfect. If I told you who who said it, you'd laugh. I'll tell you now. It's Mr. Bean. You remember the comedian that plays? He said. I guess they went after him. I don't know, but he made this. He said. It like this. He said the, the uh, cancel culture is like the digital, digital equivalent of the medieval mob roaming the streets looking for someone to burn. That is a great quote. And, but he's right, and so because this digital mob goes off the rails at times, they attack silly stuff, stuff that uh, people with common sense can weed through all the, the stuff and realize this is probably not a, a legitimate target. Like, for instance, did you know in California just recently they changed the names of some schools because they were named after uh, presidents like Washington and Lincoln and Jefferson? Come on, man. Listen, it's off the rails. That, that makes no sense. Uh, they, they've attacked stuff like this, um, movies like Gone with the Wind, because they were made in a certain era and reflected the, 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 the history. of. Just because you don't like the history doesn't mean it's not history, right? We, we remind reminded of history so we don't repeat history, right? And so they attacked Gone with the Wind, stuff like Pepe Le Pew, Became a target. Uh, come on now, some of, y'all, some of y'all showing your age right now. Young folks are going, Pepe Le Pew, Le Pew who is that? Uh, race car driver? No, it's a cartoon. It's a cartoon. It's a skunk, uh, a romantically inclined skunk. But, but what's happened is because the movement's gone off the rails, with those of us that have any common sense, it loses credibility. B- but but I've I just been trying to convince you that as believers, maybe we need to participate. In cancel culture. And I see the glazed look sometimes every time I say that because you're like, wait a minute, you just said it went off the rail. But 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 I think maybe for us there's some spiritual implications. So join me if you will. In 1 Samuel chapter 15. Familiar portion of scripture for some of you, uh, but I want to draw your attention to this. First Samuel chapter 15. Uh, we're going to read verses one through three. We'll skip down to verse seven through nine, and then we'll fast forward later in First Samuel. It'll all be on the screen for you, and you need to if while well, they're in your your notes, so you'll be able to go read them for yourself and get the whole story. One day, Samuel said to Saul, "It was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people, Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of Heaven's Armies has declared: I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek." for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go, listen to the instructions, now go and destroy the entire Amalekite nation, men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. That's a pretty, pretty severe declaration by the Lord. Wipe them out. Then Saul, this is verse seven, then Saul slaughtered, the Amalekites, from Havilah all the way to Shur, east of Egypt, he captured Agag. I'll never forget a message I heard when I was a teenager by my youth pastor. He titled it, Agag Me with a Sword. That actually shows how old you really are right there, if you even recognize. Okay, some of you, okay. Okay, he couldn't help it. I can't read this story without remembering that. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle, the fat calves, and the lambs, everything, in fact, key phrase, that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. Chapter 31, beginning verse 2. The Philistines closed in on Saul and his sons, and they killed three of his sons, Jonathan, Abinadab, and Milkshake. No, Ma- Ma- Malik Shua. Uh, sorry. Y'all got to pray for me today. I'm in one of those moods, all right? Uh, uh, Malik Shua. The fighting grew very fierce around Saul, and the Philistine archers caught up with him. It always catches up with you. We've taught our boys that it's Scripture. Your sin always finds you out. You can't hide it. It always catches up with you. So it says the Philistine archers caught up with him, and they wounded him severely. Listen what happens. Saul groaned to his armor bearer, Take your sword and kill me before these pagan Philistines come to run me through and taunt and torture me. But his armor bearer was afraid and he would not do it. So Saul took his own sword and fell on it. Second Samuel chapter 1 beginning in verse 2. On the third day, a man arrived from Saul's army camp. He had torn his clothes and put dirt on his head to show that he was in mourning. He fell to the ground before David in deep respect. "'Where have you come from?' David asked. "'I escaped from the Israelite camp,' the man replied. "'What happened?' David demanded. "'Tell me how the battle went.'" The man replied, "'Our entire army fled from the battle. Many of the men are dead, and Saul and his son Jonathan are also dead.'" How do you know Saul and Jonathan are dead? David demanded of the young man. And the man answered, I happened to be on Mount Gilboa, and there was Saul Saul leaning on his spear with with the enemy chariots and charioteers closing in on him. When he turned and saw me, he cried out for me to come to him. How can I help you, I asked him. And he responded, Who are you? I'm an Amalekite. did, Did you get it? I'm an Amalekite, I told him. Then he begged me, come over here and put me out of my misery. For I am in terrible pain and I want to die. So I killed him, the Amalekite told David. For I knew he couldn't live. Then I took his crown and his armband and I brought them here to you, my Lord. I don't have time to read the rest of it, but you ought to go read the rest of it. Because the moment he identifies himself... To David. David follows through on what Saul should have done and he kills the Amalekite young men. This, this, uh, this is a gr- there's, no way to, there's no way to clean this up. D- don't, don't try to sanitize this. This is a gruesome passage of scripture. The account is self explanatory. This is what happened. Saul is commanded to destroy the Amalekites, he was to spare nothing and no one. He, he was supposed to wipe them off of the face of the planet. After 1 Samuel chapter 15, there should never be another mention ever of this uh, evil pagan enemy to God's people. They had opposed Israel when they came out of Egypt and God is settling the score. They are to be wiped away. There should be no history after this moment. But, but, but it, you, instead Saul, he, he spares the best of the best and he keeps their king alive. This act of disobedience ultimately costs Saul his place on the throne, but the implications go further than that because not only did it cost him his place on the throne, I read to you what happens, now devastated or de- defeated by the Philistines, uh, an entire book later, not the next day, not the next week, probably not even the next year, but ultimately in Second Samuel now, we read that now uh, Saul is fighting the Philistines and the Philistine army catches up with him, The arm, the, the battle's not going well, the archers shoot their arrows, they hit. Saul he's mortally wounded and he does not want to be tortured because the Philistines would torture them all you got to do is connect scripture and you recognize that when you read the story of Samson that the Philistines were really good at torturing people and so he doesn't want to be tortured he asks his armor bearer who refuses so he takes matters into his own hands he falls on his sword but he doesn't do the job and this young man comes along and he asks him please Help me in this situation. This young man, a descendant of the very people that Saul was instructed to and refused to obliterate, is the one who ends Saul's life and his grip on the throne. Can I tell you this morning that Saul should have practiced cancel culture? Could could, could I say to you this morning that that Saul teaches us some essential lessons about cancel culture that, that, that we should recognize i recognize i understand that cancel culture should can and sometimes does go off the rails but saul's account teaches us to learn some lessons that help us when we need to practice cancel culture Uh, by the way uh, i wonder if there's anybody here that could recall maybe maybe you're old enough to remember i i I can't get away from it. it it's burned into my consciousness there's this animated character that used to come across our TV screens. This animated character was a spokesman that was supposed to help us curtail and control the damage and the devastation and the destruction caused by carelessness in the woods. Uh, he, uh, the, he was addressing the thoughtless flick of the embers of a cigarette or maybe an un, unwatched or untended campfire that would cause uh, damage and sometimes not only the wilderness but would get completely out of the control and even impact uh, populated areas. This animated character w- would come across the screens and he would make a statement and pun intended this statement is literally burned into my consciousness. Smoky, good old Smoky the Bear would make this statement. He would always declare at the end of his announcement, "Only you can prevent forest fires." See, I knew I had some folks my age in here. I, I, I knew, I knew, I knew. So, 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 uh, only you. He, he, he put the pressure on us to take individual responsibility, to be careful and to be diligent. Do you remember? Do you remember? Some of y'all remembering, right? so, 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 so his message regarding fire. Is actually applicable to the account that I just read to you. But more importantly, not only is it applicable to to, to that account, it's also applicable to our lives as we begin to talk about relationships, as we begin to talk about finances, as we begin to talk about social media, as we talk about our health, as we talk about our spiritual lives, his message, if you boil Smokey the Bear's message down, it is basically this. Here it is in a nutshell. Here's it boiled down to the brass tacks bottom line. This is what he was trying to teach us. He was trying to teach us, manage what you can manage or it will become unmanageable. can't get no help. All right. Manage what you can manage, or it will become unmanageable. We have individual responsibility to manage our lives so that we will, we will, uh, or or we will end up, wind up with an unmanageable mess. Another way to say this, you see this acted out in Saul's life was this, uh, simply this, you can, only you can manage what you need to manage before it will become unmanageable for those around you, right? So, 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 so I need to ask you some questions this morning before I teach you the lessons we need to learn from Saul's account. Could I just simply ask you this question? Have you allowed things to be un, become unmanageable that if you would have dealt with them or canceled them in their infancy, that they would not have grown into this unmanageable insurmountable, engulfing, overwhelming situation. What, what is about to cancel you that you could have canceled by yourself when it was weak and limited in scope? I'm preaching and y'all looking at me like it's a holiday. Come on, check in this morning, clue in this morning. Only you can manage what you need to manage or it will become unmanageable. So, 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 in other words, let's, let's, let's learn the lessons that Saul's lesson uh, life was trying to teach us. The first one is this. We should cancel quickly. I need to tell you the, the truth this morning. The truth is, is that we only have to battle stuff that we let live long enough to give it time to grow strength and roots. Can I tell you this morning that you don't have to uproot things that have never been allowed to grow roots? I've been doing a little gardening this week I don't have much of a green thumb but I know this if I go tomorrow I planted some stuff yesterday it'll probably be dead by next week but I planted it yesterday if I go to my back to my garden today and take my hand I wouldn't need a shovel I just need a hand I could easily reach down and scoop out the flowers roots and all of what I planted yesterday But there's a tree on the, a bush really, on the corner of my house that if I needed to remove it, I would have to get, I'd have to borrow somebody's truck and a chain and I would have to pull and tug, and it would take me probably all day long with some help to, in fact, I probably wouldn't even try to do it by myself because I recognize I don't know what I'm doing. But if I would have dealt with that same bush the same day it was planted, it would have never established roots and become as strong as it is right now. I wonder, I wonder if there are some of you that have been dating the wrong person for so long that now it's harder to break up because that relationship, has grown uh come on now has grown roots i wonder if some of you in the house this morning have been working the wrong job so long that now it's harder to quit because it's developed roots in your life and you've grown comfortable living at the level that you're living provided by that job when god's been trying to convince you that you need to move to another job there's another opportunity but you can't uproot what has been established in your life oh the perfect example is um the, the, the seven-day trial of the music service. Y'all know? like Spotify or Apple Music, it's only seven-day trial. Maybe it's Hulu for you. Maybe there was something you wanted to watch on the Hulu. Maybe it was the, the, the seven-day trial of Netflix. Maybe it was the gym down the street that said you could try it out for 30 days and then money back guaranteed. Have you ever discovered that those trials seem to turn into long seasons of turmoil? You forget about it. You never access it again. And all of a sudden, since you're not checking your bill, about a year later, you look on your bill and go, why am I paying seven bucks a month for this service. I never use it. What gym? We, we, we did that one time. We got a gym membership. We went on the first day. I don't think we ever went back. A year later, we recognized, they're charging us for this gym. We don't even know them. And then it becomes this issue. It becomes this season of turmoil. If I would have dealt with it in its infancy, if I would have canceled quickly, it wouldn't have been so difficult. Here's the lesson. If they steal your peace, if they steal your joy, if they abuse your heart, if they mishandle or mismanage your information, if they step on your dream, if they make you weaker rather than stronger, if that, the activity that you're involved in right now at this moment causes you to lose a night's sleep, if it causes you to lose money, if it causes you to lose anything, then don't wait another year, don't wait another month, Don't wait another week. Don't wait another day. Don't wait another hour. Don't wait another minute. Don't even wait a second. Cancel quickly, quickly before they establish roots. Cancel now. Only you can prevent the greater level of damage that they or it will cause in your life if you wait. The longer you wait, the harder it is to uproot that thing from your life. Some of us have waited so long to uproot what is in our life that now it's going to take months and months of counseling. Some of us have waited so long to uproot what is wrong in our life that now it's going to take a bankruptcy attorney to help us manage our mess because we didn't manage it in the early days. Can I tell you that all time does is create tentacles. It just goes later. Deeper, stronger into your life, cancel quickly second, we need to cancel correctly can I give can I let y'all in on a secret? There are nights I don't sleep well, not every night like some nights I sleep like a baby i mean i I don't have much that keeps me up i I don't have. Stuff that messes with me. But there are a few things that keep me up at night. And one of them is this one. I, I'm, I'm concerned. I, 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 the fact that we haven't learned to cancel correctly keeps me up at night. I'm going to preach this a, a, specific, a specific way because I don't know if we can handle it. If I say you, I'm going to talk about somebody else. All right, I'm going to talk about them. So you can ignore this part if it's too uncomfortable. No, I don't want you to do that, but I am going to preach about them so that it helps you recognize I'm really talking about you. All right. Here's here's what I'm saying. We must learn to cancel correctly. I'm concerned because I think we can we cancel the wrong people, the wrong practices, and the wrong phases. Are you with me? Okay, it's going to get bumpy. We cancel the wrong people. Saul hung out with the people, with people that he was afraid to, to uh, not impress. So when it comes time for him to follow the word of the Lord, he says, I was afraid of the people. He was with the wrong people. We canceled the wrong people. Uh, if, listen, I'm, I'm just trying to help you. If some, oh, yeah, I'm not preaching to you. So I'm trying to help somebody else, okay? If, if someone is brave enough to see something and say something, they are attacked and canceled rather than being appreciated. I, I, I'm concerned that when, when, it, when it's maybe from this pulpit or when it's in a conversation uh, in the lobby or maybe when it takes place in a conversation over social media during the week with one of the other believers in the room, I, I'm concerned that when, when either I or someone else uh, on the outside can identify that a person See what I did there? Not you. A person is headed for a crash, is headed for pain, is headed for destruction, but they can't identify that for themselves, then what that does is it it, it reveals a lack of self assessment and a lack of honesty, and that leads them to a place of vulnerability. But because we haven't learned to correctly cancel, and we cancel the wrong people, when somebody from the outside, sees that you're dating the wrong person, sees that you're hanging out with the wrong people, sees that you're at the wrong job, sees that you're mismanaging your own resources, sees that you're headed down a path of destruction, making bad decisions and choices. My concern is, is we cancel them. Okay. I, I watch people warn people and then they are ignored and they're pushed away. I, 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 they sound the alarm to cancel the habit. They sound the alarm to cancel the excursion. They, can, they, they say, please cancel the temptation. But the person warned cancels the person who warned them rather, rather than canceling the very thing that will destroy them in the end. We're just reliving what Saul did. It reveals just how little real access we've granted to one another. Mind your own business. Leave me alone. Let me live my life the way I want to live it. You don't know me. You can't tell me. I'm strong enough to handle this by myself. Wait a minute, I've just watched 15 other people lose everything because of what you're doing right now, but you're strong enough. But you don't want me to deal with you. You don't want me to say anything because if I do, you'll cancel. Okay, I'm preaching. Okay, So, 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 so we cannot cancel correctly if we're unwilling to be corrected You don't know how many people we've watched, especially over the last year. This last, y'all know this last year has been crazy anyway. But you don't know how many people we've watched in this season and before this season who have walked away from this body. See, I'm not talking about y'all. I'm talking about them. But I need you to let the truth of what they've done have implications for you to think about this. You don't know how many people we've watched walk away from this body thinking that breaking fellowship here would fix their issues. Only to discover that they didn't know how to cancel correctly. And they canceled the wrong people. So they walk away thinking, because I'm severing fellowship here, it will be fixed when I get somewhere else. And lo and behold, they show up somewhere else and they have all the baggage that they left here with. It's ridiculous. They they incorrectly canceled, and they end up worse off than they were, not even realizing that if they'd been willing to deal with real issues, then the fellowship here would have assisted them in the hard and the painful process of finding real freedom. Because we don't know how to cancel correctly. We cancel the wrong people. It got quiet up in here. But not only do we cancel the wrong people, we cancel the wrong practices. Um, Saul canceled the practice of obeying God's word and it kills him. Can I tell you that I'm just, man, I didn't, this is, I need a couch up here sometimes so I can just lay down. I'm just confessing everything to you. Did you know that it's painful as we watch people cancel practices that would have produced freedom in their life if they would have continued with the practice? They cancel the practice because it's painful. And sometimes they cancel the practice because there's no immediate results. And because they put God on a deadline, then they cancel the practice. So, so, so what would have gotten them out of the situation, they jettison that practice because it's, it's uncomfortable and, and, and there's this momentary delay. And what would have gotten them to the next level of freedom they quit. Okay, I'll just give you some examples. See, I'm talking about somebody else. They, they would have grown if they'd have kept attending faithfully. They, 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 would have, they would have been blessed if they'd have kept giving. They would have been set free if they'd have continued to serve. If they would, they would have overcome if they'd have kept digging into the Word. They would have made it if they'd have continued to pray. They would have pulled through if they'd have continued to spend time with the right people that were speaking truth and life and love and helping them through the situation. But because the process was painful, Because there's a delay and this takes time, most of us didn't get into our situation overnight. Anyway, we're we're still dealing with situations that took us months to get into. But because the pain, it's a painful process. We need God to turn it around right now, and He does sometimes. But a lot of times, He allows us to work through it. We're going to get there because that's the phase part, and we cancel the practice. And we cancel the wrong practice, and in the same moment, we cancel any chance of freedom. It's like the drug addict or the alcoholic that stops going to the AA meetings, and they were free as long as they were going to the AA meetings. Don't, don't look at me like that because some of y'all d- never gone to AA or to celebrate recovery, but there are groups that you've been associated with that were helping you get free, like a Dave Ramsey or a small group, a, a circle, a, a team to serve on, and all of a sudden, because it was painful and because they were calling you out and because they were stretching you, you quit going. It's almost like you're AA. Okay. We cancel the wrong practices. We not only cancel the wrong people, the wrong uh, practices, we cancel the wrong phases. We we cancel the wrong phases. So I'm going to mention three. I can't mention them all. There's a bunch of phases that God takes us through, but can I just mention the three that we don't like the most? Like this one, the phase of discomfort. Some of us are more concerned about comfort than we are solutions. I'm preaching right now. We want Jesus to give us relief, but we don't want Him to fix us. And to fix us, the truth is is this, He often lets us feel so that we will be open to Him working on us because if you don't feel the pain, you won't let Jesus deal with the pain. And if you don't feel the broken heart, you won't let Jesus heal the broken heart. And if you don't let if you don't feel the disappointment, you won't let Jesus deal with your disappointment. And and so what happens is Jesus his example is this, he goes to the cross, they offer him a wine mixture with gall in it. Gall was this chemical uh, the ingredient that numbs you so that he can hang there painless. They would give it to them because crucifixion was so gruesome and so painful. They're trying to relieve, give him relief. And Jesus refused to be numbed. And some of you continue to try to be numbed because, because you cancel the wrong phase. And in your numbness, you can't let Jesus do what he really wants to do which is bring healing. I numb it with activity. I numb it with chemicals. I numb it with uh, distractions. I numb it. So we cancel discomfort. We cancel confrontation. We cancel counsel. We cancel correction. We cancel discipline so that we don't have to feel. And we say stuff like this. Man, what I'm going through is killing me. And God's saying this, No, what you're going through is molding you. We, we say stuff like this, What I'm going through is slaying me. And God's saying, wait a minute, I'm allowing you to go through this because what you're going through, if you won't cancel it, is shaping you. Okay, so, so that's the first one. The second phase is this, the phase of offense we want to cancel what offends us when what offends us could be something that teaches us. Do you realize that the children of Israel were offended by the wilderness? Anybody with me? They didn't like it. It wasn't an enjoyable experience. They were offended by it. Do you remember what they did when they came out of the wilderness? The first thing they did is they stopped and they built a memorial out of stones to remind them about the offense. Why? So they wouldn't go back to it. Right. So, so in other words, uh, rather than canceling what offends us, we need to remember what offends us, so that we don't go the same way again. We want to cancel what reveals where we were, instead of letting where we were push us forward. So that we will refuse to go back. In other words, what I'm saying to you is if I'm offended by a person's treatment, of my, how they treat me, don't, don't cancel that. Remember it so you won't go back. I okay. I, I'm offended by the pain. I'm offended by that habit that it caused. I, but don't forget the offense so that the pain that we learned in that experience reminds us not to go back to that stuff anymore. But we just want to cancel the offense. We don't want to remember it ever again. The third phase is this, the phase of trouble. We want to cancel what creates a storm. But I need to ask you a question this morning. What if the storm is a result of obedience? (laughs) I just need to tell you, I'm just trying to help somebody in the room. Sometimes you get in the boat at the command of God, your mind in your own business, doing what he said to do, and a storm shows up. Adversity should not cause us to question what adversity, pain, trouble should do, is it should do this instead. It, it, it should be an indication that you are where you need to be. And to get to the place where you're supposed to get, you got to go through the trouble. The enemy wants to use the adversity that we face at times to get us to turn back. So don't cancel the trouble you're going through, the phase of trouble. It's just a phase. I know it's not all comfortable. I know it's not like, it's not like uh, an adventure. It's not fun. It's painful. You don't like the trouble you're facing right now. But can I tell you this? If you cancel what you're going through right now to get to comfort, then you cancel what was intended to get you to the place where you could walk on water. The disciples were guilty of this when they request that Jesus cancel the storm. But what Jesus did, what, what he did was he was allowing the storm so that he could cancel their doubt. If they don't go through the storm, they never lose their doubt about who he really is. Some of y'all are right in the middle of the storm and you're fighting your way back, trying to get back to where you came from because it was less painful there. And I enjoyed it more two months ago. I enjoyed it more six months ago. I enjoyed my life a year ago. But could I just, re- just remind you for a moment, maybe even though you're in the phase of trouble, maybe it's right smack dab in the middle of the storm of the century of your life. Could it just be that you're there because of obedience? Don't cancel the wrong people. Don't cancel the wrong practices. Don't cancel the wrong face. And finally, I just need to tell you we need to cancel ruthlessly. I know the instructions that were given to Saul are gruesome. Kill them all. Wipe them off the face of the planet. He gets so, the instruction of God is so specific. Every man, every woman, every baby, every camel, every sheep, every goat, everything, kill them all. Gruesome, really, God, God, God wouldn't say that. He's a God of love. Except these folks were pagans. If Saul would have canceled ruthlessly, the story would have turned out different. We, we don't want what we don't remove now will cancel your joy and your testimony and your peace later. Quit playing around with what will kill you later. Can't get no help. Some of you, I, I'm concerned, you're dancing on the edges of what will destroy you if you don't manage it now. Only you. Only you can prevent the addiction. Only you can prevent the divorce. Only you can prevent the bankruptcy. Only you can prevent the operation. Only you, only if you would cancel ruthlessly, only you can prevent these things by canceling them in their infancy before they grow up to produce destructive implications. What you ruthlessly cancel now cannot cancel you later. Some of you have bitterness in your life that you need to ruthlessly cancel. Some of you have anger in your life right now that you need to ruthlessly cancel. Some of you have fear in your life right now that you need to ruthlessly cancel. Some of you have disappointment in your life that you need to ruthlessly cancel. If you will cancel it now, if you don't cancel it ruthlessly now, it will come back and it will find you later, years later, months later, decades later, when you think everything's going smooth, all of a sudden, out of Nowhere it will rise up again, and it will have established roots. Notice, if you will, and then I'll be done. I want you to notice that Saul and his men only got rid of what they thought was worthless. Well, What does that mean for us? I want you to hear me. I'm going to say it a different way. They kept what appealed to them. I'm going to say that again. They kept what appealed to them. In other words, they kept what they liked. I'm about to go deep on you right now. It's not deep, but maybe it is deep. Maybe, maybe we need to hear this. I think some of us do the same thing. We like the relationship we're in. God said get rid of it, but we like it. It appeals to us. I, I, I like the habit. I can handle it. If you don't think that, man, I told y'all last week that Julie and I went to, to Vegas, and I'm, I'm telling you, I walked, I walked around watching people that like the very thing that is destroying them. I, 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 I watched as men and women have gone there and lost everything just keep plugging away plugging away plugging away they like it it appeals to them I, 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 we like the distraction I like the it gets my mind off of everything else but if it's destroying you you got to cancel ruthlessly can I can I tell you this morning that What appeals to us can upend us. And what appeals to us can annihilate us. So we must hunt that thing down now or it will hunt us down later. You say, well, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the fact that even in our youth ministry right now, we're watching young people deal with stuff that if their parents had killed it in their lives first, it wouldn't be producing fruit in the life of their young people if if the if the parents when they were teenagers would have ruthlessly dealt with the 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 temptation that they were dealing with it would have been severed in the family line right there and they wouldn't be dealing with it but now 30 years later there's 16 year olds in the youth group dealing with the same stuff at a greater level than they were dealing with simply because the parents go back to the story Saul's sons were impacted by what he refused to kill. And I just want to challenge you this morning. Practice cancel culture. What is it in your life right now? Maybe it's in its its infancy. Maybe it's full-blown. I don't know. Only you know. Only you can prevent. I don't know. Can I tell you that most of us have learned to hide our stuff very well. Saul tries to hide it. Go back and read the story. Samuel shows back up and Saul begins to lie about what he's done. He's hiding it and Saul makes this statement, or Samuel makes this statement. He said, why do I hear the bleeding of sheep? You can't hide because I've taught y'all what you hide, God can't heal. We must come to this place where we ruthlessly cancel What could destroy us? I want you to stand with me this morning. Stand with me quickly. Father, I don't know if I've done an an adequate job of communicating. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.